This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. Good to be with you. Today is a is a uniquely difficult podcast for me to record. This podcast is going to be released on the week of the memorial of June the 2nd. If you don't know um, about kind of the history behind this, on June the 2nd of 2022, we had a tragic event that happened in the parking lot of Cornerstone Church as Salt Company was just beginning to start their summer worship, where a, a disgruntled former boyfriend struggling with all sorts of pressures and pain in his own life made the horrific and evil decision to take the life of Eden Montang and her friend Vivian Flores and then ultimately to turn that gun on himself and take his own life. That happened in the midst of dozens and dozens of our students at Salt Company and our staff of Salt Company um, preparing for a night of worship. And so that tragedy, June 2nd of 2022, that happened in our parking lot has marked the entirety of this last year. And so as we come up on the one-year anniversary of that tragic event, I wanted to record a podcast to reflect back on what we've learned as a church, how we've learned to walk with Christ, and just some lessons personally and individually. And I also want on this podcast to let you know, for all of you listening, um, we're actually planning on Sunday, June the 4th, as Cornerstone Church, to kind of take a pause of our normal Sunday morning worship and have a, a weekend devoted to remembering and reflecting on the tragedy of June 2nd. It's a way for us to heal as a community, to bring meaning to that pain. And inside of that, all throughout the week, we're going to be placing flowers as a church body, uh, kind of a memorial rock that is out in our uh, South, by our South Auditorium entrance as a way to just reflect, to give people maybe space to process and have a moment of silence personally. We're also going to be using this week to raise some memorial funds. There's a new scholarship being established at Iowa State University in the name and the memory of Vivian Flores. And so both the Montang and Flores families have asked us to help direct some funds that come in that week to help get that scholarship established. And our goal is to raise over $50,000 in this weekend uh, to help get that scholarship established so that it will be given in an ongoing way. As long as Iowa State's given out scholarships, they will give out the Vivian Flores scholarship to a student going into the Veterinary Medicine College from uh, an immigrant family. And so if you want to know how to give to that, you can go to our website, cornerstonelife.com. There will be information there, but we'll also try to link to that in the show notes or check out our social media where we'll be giving a link to give back as we lead up to Sunday, June the 4th. But for this podcast, the rest of it, I just want to reflect. What is it that God's taught us? And how can we move forward? And I'll start with this. The first question that I get is people ask, you know, how we're doing in light of the tragedy on June 2nd is they ask, how is Cornerstone Church? And that's a hard question for me to answer at the overall level because a lot of it depends on who you are and where you sit in relationship to this tragedy. You know, there's one level where um, that question, how are you doing? 
for those who were closest and most directly impacted by the trauma of June 2nd, this has been a year of some profound struggle, but where I feel profound pride in how God has worked in these people and healed these people. For those closest, they had an experience on June the 2nd where they not only saw a tragically violent event, they had a deep sense of fear for their own life personally. And that impacts you. It makes you feel unsafe in places where you always used to feel safe. And the amount of courage that students from Salt Company, our staff, has shown in just walking back into light has been astounded, just astounding to me. The amount of courage it took for them just to come back to worship. And I have to say, while there are still certainly moments for all of us who are there that evening where we struggle, I see a growing health in the people who have pressed into community, pressed into the gospel, pressed into getting with a great trauma counselor. And so I have a lot of hope in the healing that's ongoing there. So that, that's one level of how's everybody doing. Another level, though, is not just those closest to the trauma, but those closest to the victims. Many of the family members and dearest friends of um, Eden and Vivian are members of our church. And so for those folks, um, this has been a really sad year over and over again. I see so much gospel uh, at work in their hearts. I see Jesus comforting them and healing them. The Montang family, the Flores family, these folks are just rooted in the gospel. And so I have over and over again shown up in my office this year and found a card from Mia Montang, Eden's mom, or from Raina, or from Valerie, from any number of the friends and family who are closest to the girls who were lost. They have been a constant encouragement to me, but there are moments where it's really, really painful for them still because they lost someone who's dear to them. They're healing, but hoping. They're grieving, but not without hope. On another level, how's the church doing? I look at Salt Company as a ministry as a whole, and I genuinely felt on the night of June 2nd, 2022, I felt this fear that, like, can we ever come back to worship with these college students? Will they ever feel safe again? And to see a year of Salt Company go by, where not only did they come back, but we saw just astounding numbers of students give their life to Christ, see their walk with Jesus transformed. It, it, it was one of our best ministry years in the life of Salt Company and at Cornerstone Church, and I just feel so overwhelmingly grateful for the staff and students who persevered when they felt afraid and pressed forward. And when I look back at Cornerstone Church as a whole, it really is remarkable. We were in a season of suffering this year where I literally went to our staff and our church and said, this season we are going to decide to have absolutely no new ideas. We try to do nothing overly creative. I mean, I give the example on Easter services. I mean, we didn't even print out, like, handouts to invite people in the community. We had a record-breaking Easter in terms of attendance and people present. It's, it's may, been a story of God making us fruitful in our valley of suffering. It has not been an easy year. It has not been a year that I ever want to relive, and yet... I find the overwhelming emotion of my heart is gratitude for God's great faithfulness to us. He has been near to us, and we have felt the nearness of God. So that's kind of how the church is doing. But as I reflect back, there are so many lessons. Oh my goodness, so many things we have learned in this valley of suffering. None of the lessons make going through that moment worth it to me. That that evil moment 
if I had any power to take it back, I would, I would do it, but I can't. And so you only have the opportunity to reshape the narrative as you go forward. You cannot rewrite the past. God, in his kind and unknowable providence, allowed an evil to come. And so we had to figure out how we strain forward so that the light shines into that darkness and we acknowledge that there is darkness, but that the light cannot be overcome by the darkness. And kind of reflecting on that, some of the lessons of wisdom we've learned, I think, number one, I've learned that tragic losses and traumas are not just felt at one moment, they're felt over and over in many moments. For those closest to Vivian and Eden, Every new, every new holiday is a fresh pain because grief hits you at a different angle. But I've also learned that you wouldn't want to live without that grief. I mean, you never want it, but that grief is, is actually an expression of love. In, in choosing to deeply love people, we open our soul up to the possibility of the deepest wounds we would ever face, but we have to do that. To, to not open ourselves up with that sort of love. We're less than human. We're less than our truest selves. Love is from God. And so the tragic loss, every time we feel grief, we also feel love lost. You, you learn that. Over and over you learn that. And, and you learn also in reflecting on the over and over reality of tragic loss. I think one of the lessons I've learned is that trauma and loss isn't just part of the human story. How we respond to trauma and loss in a lot of ways is going to be the hinge of many of our stories. D.A. Carson once said, um, the question is not um, if if you will experience suffering, but when you will experience suffering in this life. Suffering in a sin-cursed world is a reality for all of us. And for you, the story, your journey of faith, in a lot of ways, is going to be defined by how you respond to the inevitability of that suffering. Do you respond in faith or in fear? Do you respond by running toward God or rejecting God? How, How you respond to trauma is going to define your story because there's no way to live in a sin-cursed world without the experience of pain. There's none. And I think what I've learned looking at these moments of loss that you feel over and over again is that unless you embrace that reality, it will haunt you. So that's maybe the second thing I've reflected on is tragic loss isn't just a momentary experience, but secondly, tragic loss, the people who move forward in health are the ones who have the courage to face the darkness. This is an interesting observation. I've been asked by a lot of people, how do you help people who've walked through just the sense of being triggered by uh, the, um, the emotion that overwhelmed them as they go back to this? I mean, a trigger, if you think about it, is it's a reminder of a traumatic event that like throws you back into the mental and emotional state you were when that tragic event happened. Um, it's not something you ask for. It's just kind of something that you. it happens because a reaction to trauma is a bodily reaction. It's like adrenaline flooding you. And there's a temptation because of that to do everything you can to avoid the, being thrown into that mental and emotional state. You know, 
it, it could be for a student who is there June 2nd that seeing a particular type of automobile or hearing a particular type of thing. For many of our staffers, it was seeing a big room or a big gathering of people even, that just they would be overwhelmed with a sense of fear. And one of the things that I found over and over was a temptation for people was they wanted to avoid the possibility of being triggered. You know, there's this new uh, notion out there in society that we need to give people trigger warnings, like any possibility that we could address anything that could be difficult, that could throw people back into a painful moment, we need to, you know, warn them about that. Now, there's some, some wisdom and some kindness to that, friends, where it's not pleasant, by the way, to feel the experience of panic again. And so, if you know something could be hard for someone, that's probably just human dignity and kindness that you should let them know that. But one of the things that I learned with triggers was that the more you try to avoid the thing that makes you afraid, the more that what you're doing is your avoidance is allowing that fear to fester. It adds more and more layers to the plane you already have. You, you almost have to make this incredibly difficult decision to face the darkness if you're ever going to move toward the light. Living in denial isn't an option. If you live in denial, you bury your pain, it's going to resurface. There's no question it's going to resurface. And unless you deal with it head on, when it resurfaces, it it becomes bigger, more difficult to handle. You have to have the courage to face the realities of the pain you experience. I think I've learned that over and over again is part of a part of my ministry as a pastor, part of my ministry as a friend with my friends has just been saying you you have to face this difficulty, this pain. We can't deny its existence. We can't act like it's not real. But I think this is actually another one of the lessons is over and over I've, again, I've said to people, and, and I'll, I'll hold your hand and walk with you toward that. I have learned the power of Christian community in painful moments, like it, this potent reality I've never experienced before. I've known and told people, you need friends. You know, you show me your friends, you show, I'll show you your future. But I'm telling you, you will find out your truest friends when you hit the valley of the shadow of death. Because when God says, I will be with you always, he doesn't just send his presence, he sends his people into the places of your pain. So if I've learned that tragic losses felt over and over again, and that we have to face the loss, I've also learned that you don't have to face it alone, that community helps so much over and over and over again. The comfort that Jesus brought to me, he packaged it in the body of a friend, in my wife who cared for me, in the friends I had on staff. Over and over again, when we felt afraid or when someone felt afraid, someone else just came close and gave them a hug. Over and over again, when someone is crying, we ministered to one another with the comfort that we'd received from God. It's not just like Christ held you up, it's the church held you up. I cannot imagine going through the experience that we went through of trauma and loss and grief if we hadn't been surrounded by the community of the church. And I think that maybe leads me to a fourth reflection as I look back over this year is that um, the grace of God comes to you in daily packages. There's grace for today. And every moment you need God's grace It's there for you for that day. 
you get overwhelmed when you think about, you know, two months in the future, what am I going to do? Three months in the future, what's this going to look like in six months? How am I going to get through this in five years? Well, you're not living in six months. You're only living right now. And the pain of grief, you walk through in a very present tense, day by day by day sort of dependence. It was like, you wake up saying, oh, Jesus, I need you for this moment right now. And he is there. His strength is there for that moment. There's that verse of scripture. There's that call or text from a friend. There's that word of encouragement. Every moment where you feel lost and like you can't go forward, he meets you in that moment. But the anxiety swirls up when you start thinking about the future too far forward. Like, well, what about this and this? We can't go there. And, and I've learned that God's grace for today is so real and so true and so good. And yet, I think the overarching two lessons that I've learned in this past year is I've learned about the nearness of Jesus Christ, and I've learned about the hope of heaven. The hope of heaven, I've always talked about, but never felt at this deep of a level. I think the further you go in life and the more you become acquainted with the pain and suffering of a sin-cursed world, the more the hope of a new heavens and new earth where every tear is wiped away and where sin doesn't get to dwell anymore just becomes so beautiful and so good. I really look forward to heaven. I really look forward to seeing Eden and Vivian, to telling them just how much God used their faith to encourage our church and how many people were impacted. I look forward to a feast of heaven that never ends at a level I have never longed for it like this in my whole life. And that hope of heaven has made me treasure life here and now. That's an interesting thing. When you really long for heaven, it doesn't make you hate your life. It makes you love it. You you see in everything beautiful a little glimpse of the country you were created to live in. You know, everything becomes like a little window into that far-off country. And so the beauty of earth is better, actually, when you see it in light of heaven. Because every beautiful thing is just an echo of the age to come, an echo of the reality that one day we will live in unending light. And so I've never hoped for heaven. Randy Alcorn's book on heaven has just been a treasure for me this year. I've been able to open it up and engage my gospel-drenched imagination to think about the glory that is going to be revealed to us that dwarfs the sufferings of this present time. I, my hope of heaven is so high. What an incredible promise that Jesus wouldn't ju- would save us of our sins and give us life with him forever that death can't take away. That hope is so potent and so real, and I have no idea how people who don't have that sort of hope make it through tragedy like this. I have no clue. And I think the other thing that I've learned and our congregation has learned, the families and who lost daughters and siblings, those, those closest who witnessed terrible trauma have learned, is we have learned about the nearness of Jesus Christ to people who are hurting. The Bible talks about how the Lord is near to the brokenhearted in Psalm 34. 
It says in Psalm 23 that he walks with us. In the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil because he is with us. Jesus is the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That somehow in the mystery of the gospel, Paul talks about how he wants to know Christ, to become like him, to share somehow in the fellowship of his suffering, to be conformed to his death. That there's something about suffering and pain that is close to the heart of God, and you can experience the presence of God in your life in a place of pain in a way you will never experience it in easy times. I do not ever want to go through a season like what we have gone through this past year. But I've never experienced anything like the nearness of Christ that I've felt this past year. Songs of worship. Oh, singing with the church is so beautiful and good when you need hope. Reading the Bible in the morning isn't just something you did out of duty. It was like, I need a promise or something hopeful to get me to go through the next 24 hours here. I need a piece of truth now to help me. Friendship has been so sweet and good. All of God's good graces, it's like they were amplified because we were needy. It's like the experience of a man walking across the desert for the first time having water, you know? It just You're so thirsty and you're so in need that when God meets that need, you just feel overwhelmed with gratitude. I have felt the nearness of Jesus Christ in moments of pain, and I have seen this in people's lives over and over and over again. We would never in a thousand years trade or want to go back to those places of pain, but when we're there, Jesus is at the bottom of that pit. He's with us. He is with us. The hope of the gospel, the nearness of Christ, and the hope of heaven are a treasure. So as I reflect back on June 2nd, 2022, the loss of Vivian Flores and Eden Montaigne, the overwhelming thing I feel in my heart is gratitude to God for His grace. For all of you who listen to this podcast, who are members of Cornerstone, who've prayed so many prayers for me, for the staff, for the students, for the families, thanks for your prayers. God has answered them in ways we never we never ever could have imagined. I'm so grateful for the ways he's walked with us in these places of pain. And even as we come up on this anniversary, I'll end this podcast just asking you, why don't you take a moment to give back to that scholarship fund for Vivian? Take a moment in this week, if you're a member of Cornerstone, to stop by and have a moment of silence. Drop some flowers by. But all throughout this week especially, let's pray in a special way for God to minister comfort to people who are coming up on a very hard anniversary, that they would feel in a powerful way the two things that I talked about, that they'd feel deep in their souls a rich hope of heaven, and they would feel deep in their souls the nearness of Jesus Christ in their places of pain. Thanks for your prayers through this year. Thanks for your prayers this week for God to be at work even in these places of pain and suffering.